this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. From Gimlet Media, this is The Nod. And you are here with Blackness's biggest fans. I am Brittany Luce. And I'm Eric Eddings. And today, we're gonna talk about do-rags. I realize that some of you people listening, some of you poor, poor people, <laughs> some of you may have absolutely no idea what a do-rag is. And if you know what it, what it, what it is, you may not actually really know, like, all that it really can do and all that it's really about. Eric, will you please tell some of these sad, sorry people what a do-rag is? A do-rag is a um, a hallowed garment for, uh, for I would say, black men and black women. Black people. But black people, yeah, primarily. Uh, but it's most known for its association with black men. But it is used to hold down the hair. Uh, usually so that waves would form. But it also protects the hair from, like, if you go to sleep so your hair doesn't get all messed up. Right. Like, the do-rag is all about keeping your hair fresh. But there was a period of time where the do-rag was so much more than that, when it had this, like, huge moment. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I am going to walk you through the story of the do-rag's meteoric rise and devastating fall in pop culture and its eventual redemption. And I found someone to help me tell that story. Approaching destination on the left. Oh, this is so pretty. It was like a yard. It's like a house. You found a space. This yeah. is like... That's the uh, benefit of not living in the city, I guess. <laughs> this is Van Newkirk II. Eric, you, you know you know him already. Yeah. Yeah. So I went down and talked to Van at his beautiful house in suburban Maryland. And as you know, Van is a writer for The Atlantic. But back before he was like this super accomplished journalist, Van was just a kid out there trying to be cool and style his hair. And he remembers the day that he got his first do-rag very well. I went to the beauty supply store down the street, and this is in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, so we're in the country, right? So so this is <laughs> the beauty supply store in the country. You, you know, it, it is one of the five blackest places on earth. You walk in there, and you know, there's not a whole lot of men's products in the beauty supply store. There's one little rack of men's products. You got your standard, your, your brushes, the little wooden brushes. Mm -hmm. You got some other Afro products, Afro Sheen, you know, your, your Stay Soft Fro. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then beside all that, your Afro picks and all that stuff, they have the do-rags. And back then it was like two, two, two options. 
You got the black do-rag with the long cape, or you got the gray one. I'd known the one I wanted forever. It was that black one, the black, the black do-rag with the long cape. The classic. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like the Jordan 1 of do-rags. <laughs> so Van took his Jordan 1 of do-rags home, and he was happy, happy teenage boy, and he could not wait to put this thing to work. I was beaming. I was hype. I went upstairs to the bathroom, and I mean, I wanted to put it on right away, right? But but I had to get my waves right. So I spent the day up until bedtime. I, I brushed maybe five hundred times. I, I had like five hundred strokes. <laughs> like I was, I just knew when I woke up the next morning, I was gonna have the three sixtieth of waves, right? Mm-hmm. What happened the next morning? My waves were not three sixty. Um, they were actually worse than they were before. Tell the people what 360s are. 360 waves. One, just just for the record, this is a peak moment in my life to be defining 360 <laughs> waves as a part of my job. But uh, 360 waves, basically when your waves are so defined mm-hmm. that like you have little concentric circles starting from the crown of your head going all the way out to the edge of your hair. And they're like shiny and, um, you know, not not quite, not greasy if you're doing it right. (laughs) Well, I mean, so Van had not mastered the art of the 360 wave, but, you know, getting the do-rag was still kind of a win because it served another purpose for Van. I I had a group of kids, I guess teenagers, that I played uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards with and stuff. Like, I mean, real, real black nerd culture. <laughs> they all wore do-rags, jerseys, and we just played like trading card games with each other. Um, and I had my freshest, tall throwback jersey on. Mm. And, you know, you got to take the do-rag off right at the last moment so people can see the lines. Mm. And I had a still red line right in the middle of my head. And I went to went to school and I remember um, one of the guys that I played with all the time. He was like, Newkirk, you got a do-rag. And I'm like, yes. Yes, sir. So Van, he gets this do-rag. He's got this line on his forehead. And all of a sudden, his friends are looking at him kind of mm-hmm. different, right? I mean, getting waves wasn't even the most important thing to Van. It was, it was the do-rag. That was the thing that made him cool to his friends. Because, like, during this time, do-rags were cool. Like, I have so many good memories of seeing, like, very cool men. And, you know, I mean, it was men. Women, we've always worn do-rags, but they're more of, like, a private thing. Like, you kind of wear them around the house maybe in the car if you have somewhere to go. But we're talking about a specific moment when black men were wearing do-rags all over the place, publicly. Like Ja Rule, obviously, you know, like LL Cool J, kind of switched from the Kangol to the do-rag. Oh, my God, Nelly. Yes. Nelly. Suit. Mr. Sweatsuit himself. (laughs) Nelly, hot in here. He always had on a do-rag. I know you have a favorite do-rag memory. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's uh, Cameron... On Rap City, the basement, mm. the moment when he freestyles. Mm. This was a very significant moment in my life, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Please share so, with the class. Share with the class. So I used to come home. Uh, I used to come home every day. I would I would be the first to get home, mm-hmm. and I would come home. I watch Rap City, the basement. You know, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget the moment where I come home. 
I cut on Rhapsody of the Basement, and, mm-hmm. and Cameron was there. Dip, Dipset was there, mm-hmm. actually. And, you know, Cameron is, was leader, one of the leaders of Dipset at that time. Yes. And I'm just going to pull it up real quick. Dipset, Rhapsody of the Basement. So he had on this beautiful, luscious, like, short sleeve Coogee shirt. Mm, I see this. Very pink. Um, and he's got a white do-rag with a pink bucket hat over it. And he's got the beautiful, like, big eagle dipset chain. Oh, my gosh. Crazy earrings and a big stack of money in his hand. <laughs> like, this man is money in this moment. He is success, you know? And, like, it was all, like, ac- accentuated by, like, by his do right. It was a beautiful moment. But see, here's the thing, and I'm going back to our hero, Van, here. Wearing a do-rag may have made Van feel like, you know, he was, like, ready to count bills <laughs> on Rap City. But not everyone in Van's life thought that a do-rag was so cool. It was the first time in my life I was wearing my hair differently than other men in my family. It, it was it, such an, an expression of individualism. You know, it really was the first time I, I stepped outside of my parents' worldview, and, and that led to some things. One of the things that it led to was a break in a very important tradition. You go every two weeks, you get a haircut. It was clockwork. You go to the barber shop and you talk your trash. The barbers were my dad's frat brothers. <laughs> you know, my little brother was a little boy then, and we got cut one, two, three. And when I started not getting cut one, two, three, it was like a big break from just a ritual that I had with my dad and my my brother. That was bigger than I thought it would be. Then it was actually like a legit scandal in the family. You're not going to get your haircut with your dad? What are you doing? My dad, he always took it hard because he thought I was rejecting him. It was, you know, that was one of those rituals you didn't break. And I broke it. And it ruffled some feathers. So all kids kind of go through something like this in their lives. You know, that moment where you're breaking away from your parents, you know, trying to become your own individual, and even, as Van said, ruffling some feathers. So Van was ready to take that step toward independence. But Van wasn't really ready for what would happen next for him and his trusty do-rag. That is coming up after the break. Play it now with Game Pass. 
Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by The Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Welcome back. Welcome back. So when we last left Van, he had, you know, ruffled some feathers within his family by kind of breaking their barbershop tradition. Even though he was allowed to wear a do-rag to sort of like achieve his wavy look, he was not allowed to wear one outside of the house as a fashion statement. But all of that was about to change. Because for the last two years of high school, right when the do-rag was at its like zenith, Van actually went away to boarding school, where he was finally free to live his best direct life. I was getting a little wild in high school, <laughs> in boarding school. I had cornrows for a little while, and I wore the do-rag over the cornrows. You know, that, that was the thing, right? Mm-hmm. You got the spaces greased up, <laughs> and you wore the do-rag. I was wearing, like, two do-rags. It was just really, like, my parents were there, and, and we were wilding out. It was me and five other black kids, basically, and everybody tries to out-black each other, right? So you <laughs> everybody's trying to take it to the max, see what you can get away with in this 97% not black school. I had a Platinum FUBU jersey. Double XL 05 Platinum FUBU jersey with a tall tee underneath it. I had South Pole baggy jeans, but I wore my shirt long enough to where you couldn't see the, the tag. And I had a pair of forces with laces to match whatever other accessories I was wearing. Um, and sometimes I had like the two laces where you could do like the real fat laces with two different colors. And I would just wear the do-rag and like a headband. And I would match the headband with wristbands. And so I would have like a white do-rag, a red headband, red wristbands, and red and white shoelaces. Me and my boys link up and we would go to parties and the whole squad, everybody have a different do-rag on, different colored do-rag. It's like the Power Rangers, right? <laughs> I actually wish that the Power Rangers, instead of wearing helmets, that they did all wear do-rags. It might be more protective that way. That's true. <laughs> you know, this is like peak do-rag. Like in the early 2000s, you saw do-rags everywhere. I mean, you were seeing people wearing them at school or at church, at the mall. They were kind of inescapable. It was everywhere. You know, another place where do-rags were kind of everywhere was like, I mean, NBA basketball. Sports, yeah. But there's one guy. Yes. Who was... <laughs> I know. I, I, I don't... I know who you're talking about. Mr. Allen Iverson. <laughs> you would be correct. Yeah. He had the do-rag. It was popping. He just like... He just brought a lot of flavor into the mix. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like the avatar of hip-hop basketball, and, like, everything else that's wonderful and great. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly why Iverson was the number one do-rag role model for Van. He gave a press conference while on Team USA in a Team USA red, white, and blue do-rag. And I was, you know, man, that was patriotic, right? Like, that was like Captain America. That was my Captain America on the screen. So, like, okay, so Allen Iverson, you can bring his name up now and, you know, he'll get lots of love. But also, like, you know, he also wasn't the most chill, 
you know what I mean? Like easygoing, yeah. like fun to be around. No, 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 no. He was, yeah, he was very authentic to himself in every single situation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually a perfect way to put it. Like he, he was always like heading, he was always butting heads with his coach. Mm-hmm. He was consistently getting in trouble off the court. But also like, like you said, like he was himself and, and like to be this black man who had millions of eyes on him out in the public eye, you know, not really giving a shit about what white people thought about him. Like that really like struck a chord with Van. His ability and willingness to get out there and speak his mind, to express himself and to never be afraid. One of the things that I always dealt with as a kid was fear. Uh, it was fear of being judged, uh, fear of not fitting in, fear of uh, not making it somewhere because I was too black or maybe because I was too not black. Alan Iverson was a perfect antidote to that. That's what I looked up to. He was all of these things that Van wanted to be, but he was also exactly the person that Van's parents did not want him to become. Oh, boy, my parents hated Alan Iverson. They wouldn't get me Alan Iverson shoes. My dad thought he was just exactly the kind of image he didn't want to, did not want his son to have. And it wasn't just Van's dad who felt that way about Allen Iverson. You know what I mean? Like, like even just thinking about the way that he probably seemed to other people, like a black man, black do-rag, bad attitude. And for the NBA, this image was problematic. Allen Iverson came in the league and everybody was like, oh, there's question marks around this young man. You know, they're all whole, you know, pearl clutching. And they were really worried that an image issue. So the NBA kind of seemed like it was looking for a reason to crack down and have more control over the image of its players. And then something happened, something that kind of gave the NBA the excuse that it needed to make some new rules. And that thing was malice at the palace. And Wallace is fouled, and Wallace did, oh, Wallace, right at our chest. This has potential to be serious if they don't get between. So Malice at the Palace, what was it, 2004, a giant basketball brawl between the Pacers and the Pistons. And uh, Ron Artest was in the stands fighting fans. Some fans got injured. Multiple players were, like, throwing blows on the court. The, the whole game just devolved into a giant brawl. And it really, really pushed the NBA to start thinking about its image. And unfortunately, to me, for me, what they came up with was the NBA was too aligned to quote-unquote street culture, and they needed to make a change that way. And it was just a little while after this that the NBA created a dress code for its players. And the dress code, you know, banned do-rags. Also, you know, you had to wear a blazer or ridiculous, you know. And, it, and I think Al Iverson, and my favorite player, it was... He saw it as an attack against him personally, and I think it was. But it didn't even end there. You know how things happen, like major event happens in the news, and, you know, it's, it's all in public discourse. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody has an opinion. And eventually, you know, those attitudes, you know, they trickle down. And eventually they trickle down to Van and his classmates. Because me and my friends, we would... You know, go to lunch, <laughs> we'd be in class and do rags, and, you know, we just wilding out, acting out. So that whole uniform, there were some real people getting their, you know, pennies up in a bunch about black kids going to class and tall tees and stuff. 
the the rules against that pass while we were there. In the two years I was there, it was rough. I mean, if you think back, do-rag bands in the early 2000s were pretty common. I mean, first there was the NFL, and then high schools, college campuses, nightclubs. I mean, this stuff was happening left and right. Any place where a whole group of young black people could meet, they were going to have a do-rag band. And after a while, kind of fell out of popular culture. So Van stops wearing do-rags at school because... He can't wear them. And do-rags stop appearing in sports. NBA players can't wear them. NFL players can't wear them. You know, you can't wear them at the hottest nightclubs anymore. And once they lose visibility with, like, you know, the cool people and, you know, the places that you go every day, you know, they kind of start to lose their cultural cachet. And meanwhile, Van kind of grows up. But, like, let's fast forward about 10 years. Okay, Van's an adult now, and he hasn't worn a do-rag as like a part of, like a critical part of one of his outfits in years. Well, it's not really functional for me now. Um, it, it's like, it, I, I still can and do wear them if I like need to dry my hair out or if I'm going someplace and wanted to have a certain shape, but I don't need them. But one day, something happened that brought do-rags back to the forefront of Van's mind. Van was at work sitting at his desk, checking the news. I forget exactly which of the protests we were on at this point. I think everybody would just burn out completely from seeing Black people get shot and beaten and killed by police. And Van really wanted an escape, so he went on Twitter. And I remember people on Twitter saying they were trying to quit Twitter and that they didn't want to keep seeing this, and people were just demoralized. And... I was sitting down, like, trying to think of some joke to come up with. And I remember seeing a picture of, like, a, an Egyptian pharaoh with, with clearly what's a kufi, right? Or, like, a, like a, not a do-rag, but, but it could look like a do-rag from the right angle. And I said the very first do-rag and tagged the do-rag history week. From there, I mean, you know, the whole thing kind of blew up. I remember it was going pretty well in the morning, and I had to go to work, and I was not paying attention to it at work. And I came back, and there were, like, thousands and thousands of tweets. Black people are good for this, right? They'll, they'll take a joke and take it to the moon and back. Yeah. <laughs> and just, like, that call and response type one-up game, black folks, you know, they were finding pictures of, of all these do-rags. I had no intentions of it being viral or celebrated. It was just a, a joke um, inspired by being sad on Twitter. Eric, you remember when uh, that do-rag history week hashtag popped up? Yes, it was a good time. Yes, it was a good time. People on Twitter specifically Black Twitter, were one-upping each other with these amazing photos of people wearing do-rags or things that kind of approximated do-rags. It, it was a wonderful moment of traveling through the history we create <laughs> and celebrate. <laughs> I'm going to pull up some pictures of it right now. Um, this one's really sentimental. It is Sammy Davis Jr., just like... In his dressing room, counting money. Wow. Call back to uh, Cameron. Cameron. Exactly. Cameron was later in this tradition. Wow. 
Uh, this shit is for us. It is. Solange was really right. <laughs> I love this one. It's uh, Moses leading his people He's, through the Red Sea. Yeah, parting the, the Red, Red Seas. Sea. And this looks to be, it's definitely an improvised do-rag. Yeah, I think the cape. The cape. <laughs> Cape's on the long side. Yeah, it's like definitely the the Durag cape is like down his back. Yeah. Ah, this, sorry, this is good. It says uh, rare photos of Moses controlling all types of waves. <laughs> that I tell you, there's some, some good writing on Twitter. Oh man. my god! So that was the first year of Durag History Week, but Dan's kept it going actually, and even since then, Durag History Week has provided comfort for people looking for a sense of community during, you know, troubling and confusing times. I actually do write History Week was still going on when Donald Trump won the presidency. How did that feel? I'm a political journalist. Um, and so <laughs> my my job that night was to follow the news, right? And 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 it was I didn't sleep. I was on for maybe 48, maybe 72 hours um, and just trying to figure out what happened. And then coming back to social media after all this and seeing people still posting Durag History Week posts as another, I guess, coping mechanism, it was just fascinating. And, and, and it was, you know, I think really neat to see people leaning on it that way. These little things that build up, that that build the culture up, um, they take on much more significance when they're like a secret language between people who are looking for that type of connection, who may not have it at work, but they find some bit of community and solace. It was the same way as at boarding school with five black people using our own secret language and I think as a couple thousand people on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that, that secret language thing is real. Like, <laughs> I feel like people are always like, you know, what causes something to really hit on black Twitter? You know, like, you get, you see those questions. A million marketers want to know. They, they do, they, they really do. do. And it's like, these things that we talk through and discuss are shorthand for experiences, you mm-hmm. know? Like, the do-rag is this hair covering, you know? It's a it's like a $2 hair covering. <laughs> That that hair covering is a shorthand for these experiences that, like, mean so much. You know, the do-rag to me is, like, it's one of the most perfect objects in that way. It's, like, everybody's, everybody knows what it is, and you can everybody's seen one, but only a few really know its true power. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> there is a long-running debate now over whether President Obama wears do-rags. I think he does. And I think we've caught him with do-rag lines. This was a real forensic investigation over whether Obama wore do-rags. Now, some people say it may have been fur in his brow or something like that, but I I am convinced they wear do-rag lines, and I am a do-rag truther. You're a do-rag truther. The Knot is produced by me, Brittany Luce, with Eric Eddings, Kate Parkinson Morgan, and James T. Green. Our senior producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. We are edited by Annie Rose Strasser, with editing help this week from Jason Parham and PJ Vogt. Engineering from Cedric Wilson. Our theme music is by Khalid B. Other original music in the show by Khalid B, Bobby Lord, Dynamedian, and Nana Quabena. 
Our fact checker is Nicole Pasulka. If you want to see some of our favorite images from Durag History Week, including the ones we mentioned on this episode, you should subscribe to our newsletter. Yes. Go to gimletmedia.com slash newsletter to get the Nod newsletter sent to your inbox every week. You won't regret it. So, Brittany. Listening. Today, I'm going to freestyle. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, whoo, uh, you know, uh, talking about sports, talking about sports, talking about basketball and basketball and, you know, sports. And we're going to shine like the brightest we can be. Basketball and basketball and basketball. Eric, will you please just... Yes. Poor, poor people.